welcome you. It's so uh, great to have you here. Uh, we are, as you can see, nearing the very end of Luke. Uh, we have uh, just one more week in the book of Luke, and then uh, that'll take us to Easter. And, uh, uh, and, then, and then we've got our church planting Sunday, which we're very excited about. And then we are starting a new uh, book of the Bible. I love Outward Church. There's no uh, secret about it. I, one of the things that I love, and I've talked with many of you, and I know it's something that you love, is that we go verse by verse through the Bible. Uh, if I spent my entire life here, I might hear teaching uh, from every single verse in the Bible. We've, we've done Genesis, and we've done, uh, we've done uh, Nehemiah, we've done jo- uh, Jonah, we've done uh, through the New Testament. We've done so many different books, and, and, and um, often they aren't, uh, re- <clears throat> aren't repeated. Excuse me. I, I told myself that I wouldn't uh, sing loud uh, at the second time through, because I was here for first service, obviously. Uh, and so that, that could be my worship service, and then this one I would just act like I was singing, but I couldn't. I would, like, singing those songs, especially that, that last song that Brock wrote, is, it's incredible. I can't not sing loud, and now my voice uh, is, is going to take it. So we, uh, we are uh, going to be starting a, a, a new uh, book of the Bible, uh, and, and uh, not revealing what that is, you're going to definitely want to be here for that. And it's not lost on us that uh, we've kind of already given the Easter message here, right? Uh, we've already taught through the crucifixion, and we've already uh, taught through the resurrection. And, and you guys might be thinking, like, hey, couldn't you guys have just, like, lined it up a little bit so that, well, it doesn't always work out conveniently that way. We, this was the section of Scripture that we had planned for this day, uh, verses 36 through 49, and so that's what we're going to teach on today, and that's how we do it at Outward Church, and, uh, and, we, and we love it. Um, God has uh, really used uh, this to be, to be teaching us exactly what we need to hear. Uh, it's all so timely. Now, the message today is, is quite timeless, and so while we are talking about something very familiar, the resurrection and this Easter message, it's something that we tend to be kind of numb to. We, 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 like the world is actually generally accepting of this idea of Easter, right? The phoenix rising from the ashes, the uh, hero knocked down and seemingly out, but rises to victory. Uh, our culture would celebrate this story. Uh, you would see movies that are connected uh, to this. Uh, and, and generally, the idea of, of you know, Jesus, his, his story living on, his teaching living on, uh, this is something that, that most everyone is... is fairly willing to take, what ends up being in the face of somebody, the point where they're not willing to take a step beyond, is that Jesus actually rose from the dead, flesh and bone, eating, drinking, laughing, walking. That's the part where we would be separated from the world in a pluralistic society where you believe what you believe and I believe what, what I believe, we cannot meet on a common ground that ends up being the dividing line often for some people, willing to accept the teaching of Jesus as though it were mere legend. But, it, but if Jesus is alive, 
the question that I would have is, what is he doing right now? If he's alive, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for us in the future? It matters a great deal. I, I, I want to I take a look at this with you. I want to start in, in verse 36, and I'll give you a little bit of a backstory uh, because verse 36 refers to the verses before it, okay? So if you have your Bibles, Luke 24, verse 36, it says, as they were talking about these things. Which things? What were they talking about? Well, last week, Pastor Matt gave a message. Uh, Jesus is, uh, his, he's, he's resurrected. He is alive. And there are two men who are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, about a seven-mile journey. And as they are walking, Jesus starts walking behind them and asks the question, hey, guys, what you talking about? And these guys are like, have you not heard about everything that happened? Are you the only person here who doesn't know what's going on? And he's like, no, what, what, what's going on? Right? Kind of, kind of I don't know, that, that seems funny, kind of coy, maybe uh, playful a little bit. Like, Jesus cares so much about his disciples. He's so sympathetic about the fact that they are suffering and they have lost their Savior. Like, he cares a lot about that, but it kind of brings some levity to the moment, kind of having some fun with them. But maybe he's also inviting them to have a conversation with him. Tell me about what it is that you're talking about. Tell me about what it is you're thinking about. Tell me what it is that you're sad about, what you're, what you're worried about, okay? So Jesus talks to these two men on the road to Emmaus, and, and at first they don't see that he's Jesus, but he reveals to them that, that he is in fact Jesus, and these two guys, they get so excited about this, they go all the way back to Jerusalem to go and get the 11, uh, 11 apostles and starts talking to them about what had happened. That's actually in verse 35, uh, I'll read that for you. It says, then they told what had happened uh, on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. So he, they'd gone back to find the 11 and tell them, uh, we saw Jesus. I know it sounds crazy, but we saw him alive, walking with us. We saw him, we saw him. And, and they're going and telling him, okay? So that's, that's the, a, 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 as, we're, as they were talking about these things. That's the things they were talking about. They were talking about seeing Jesus, Okay? So as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, said to them, peace to you. Now, I don't know if you rec realize this or saw this. In the ESV, they have an exclamation point there, right? That's, I, that, that seemed odd to me. I started thinking about that. Like, if you're trying to comfort someone, I don't know that it would be said with an exclamation point. I feel like it'd be softer, like, hey, peace to you right? Gentle, right? Why the exclamation point? Well, the, the, the translators, and, and I think NIV doesn't have the exclamation point. ESV does. The NIV is kind of thought for thought, and ESV is word for word. So, so something in the original language that doesn't, that doesn't exist in the English language had, had kind of an emphatic tense that seemed appropriate because in English, we would, we would tell the tone of, of, of the way somebody said something with that exclamation point. So I'm looking into this, I'm, I'm imagining, I try to picture the face of Jesus, I try to imagine who he is and what he's like, and I see playful here, okay? I don't know if this is right, but this, that's what I see, okay? So the, uh, the, the disciples are, are gathered around like, what, no way, you saw Jesus, that's incredible, okay? And, and, and Jesus uh, like is, is now in the room, okay? 
and it, it says that the doors are locked, uh, it, you know, and, and, and closed, and so, like, he just, like, appeared, right? Like, just ended up in that room, right? And he's watching them, and, and he's, you know, they're, they're talking about what had happened, and they're like, no way, you didn't see Jesus' spirit. And then all of a sudden, he's like, peace to you, <laughs> right? Like, why the exclamation point? That's what I pictured, Jesus jumping out and saying, peace to you, which is ironic because, like, he's trying to get them to have peace, right? And the results here, verse 37, they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, right? So even now, having two witnesses who have said they saw a physical Jesus, now in a room where Jesus is sitting there in front of them, are still saying, still thinking to themselves, the very thing that they assumed every other eyewitness account was seeing was a spirit or a ghost. You didn't actually see Jesus, you saw a ghost, right? We just couldn't believe it, right? Like, like it's what they wanted. It's, of course, what Jesus told them would happen, but now that it's here, they're having a hard time believing it. Surely this is a ghost. This cannot be Jesus here in the flesh. So Jesus asked them in verse 38, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands, see my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. In the last couple of years, personally, for me, I've, I've really focused in on, on Jesus, the character, the person, the nature of Jesus. When you're, when you're watching a movie, often there are um, uh, characters that are kind of in the background on the side. They are... Um, uh, you know, extras or whatever. And if you don't watch what the camera tells you to watch, you watch the extras in the back, sometimes you can see some crazy things, right? You can see some funny things. People are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And there's whole shows about like finding the person in the back who's not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Like clearly not a very good extra. Uh, and, and, you know, mistakes in movies and things like that. And this is like ed the, the bane, to the bane of editors. Bane? Uh, moving on. The... The, but the point is, sometimes when you're watching a movie, the camera is purposely misdirecting you, and, and, and if you watch the side, you see what's coming. A character coming from the background and will soon be at the center of the story. And I've thought of, as I'm reading the Gospels in the same way, I kind of think of it that way. There's often these stories that are happening that has the camera focused on, you know, the man who's in the stretcher because he can't walk. And, and on the friends who's dropping him through the roof. But I read it, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to watch Jesus. What is his reactions? How is he responding? What is his face? Now, obviously, we don't have pictures. that can't describe his face, but you can, you can tell by the way he reacts and the way that people are offended by the way he reacts and what he says. You can start to draw some inferences about who Jesus is. I asked a question a, a few years back that I kind of feel is a silly question now, but I, I actually realize there are no silly questions. For those who seek with all of their heart will find. When you seek God with all of your heart, you'll find him. And, I'm, and so I'm seeking God. And the question that I asked was, do we place too much emphasis on Jesus? On our wall says, love Jesus, live outward. 
shouldn't it say love God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Like three, like, like the focus is on Jesus. Do we place too much emphasis or focus on Jesus? All of our songs tend to be about Jesus. Of course we sing uh, about, about God. And, and, and I, I came across something in, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, I actually was, I was standing right over here. I think I was cleaning off a pew or something, and I was listening uh, to the, uh, uh, the street Bible or what, street lights, which is like spoken word poetry or whatever. So I heard uh, Hebrews 1, and it just stopped me. And I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. I want to read it to you. It won't be on your screen, but it answered the question for me. Okay? And, and this, is, this is going to be helpful for us to apply this particular message. This is going to be helpful to look, to take a quick break and look at Hebrews. It's going to be helpful as we interpret uh, the teaching from Luke. Okay? So let me read to you Hebrews 1. Okay? This is Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Okay? So before Jesus came... God would deliver his message to his people through the prophets. He would tell a prophet, go and say this to the people, and he would go and tell them. Okay? So it's saying that's how it used to be. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God sent his son to speak to us directly. No longer are we hearing through prophets, but through himself. It's coming directly from God. It's coming from Jesus, his son. Now it says, uh, whom, so speaking of Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. He wants us to know that this, this Jesus, his son that was sent, is equal with him and is in fact powerful with him and is in fact uh, intrinsically, eternally connected as equal with him, having created all things. All things have been created through Jesus. So this is the Jesus of which we're talking about and setting the scene for this next statement. It says in, chapter, or in verse 3 of chapter 1, He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. The verse continues, but I, I, I just want to draw your attention there. Jesus is the exact imprint of the nature of God. He's the radiance of the glory. Jesus himself said, if you know me, you know the Father. So what I take that to mean is that if I want to know God, I look at Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the knowable God. He's the exact imprint of the nature. And as Jesus loves, God loves. As Jesus cares, God cares. As Jesus relates to his disciples and speaks to them, so God speaks to me as, as, as his disciple. The way that he deals with people is how God deals with us. I'm not making a distinction there. God and Jesus are connected. God, Jesus, the Spirit are one. We do study the differences in, in equip. This is kind of our discipleship program. We, we study the differences in, 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 in um, the way that they are working throughout Scripture. But it is appropriate that we would elevate Jesus and we would look for him specifically. He tells us to. 
He tells us it's appropriate. And in Hebrews, it shows us that this is, this is good and right. Verse 3 finishes in this way, and this is so powerful. And he upholds the universe. It's using present tense language now. Jesus right now active, okay? He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for, sin, for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high because the work was done, he sits. So Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of God and he is right now ministering to you. He is right now advocating for you. He is right now praying for you. All of these things are found in scripture. I'm asking the question, what is Jesus doing right now? So as we look in the, at this story, we look for Jesus. We look for his face. What is he doing? What is his character? What is his mannerisms? How does he relate to people? What can I learn about how he feels about me looking at this? Okay? So the first thing that I see, aside from Jesus potentially having a good sense of humor and up for some good fun every now and then, is that Jesus invites us to be honest about our fears and doubts. He asks them the question. It says, why are you troubled? Why do, your, why do doubts arise in your hearts? Let's have a conversation about it, okay? You ever feel like, I wanna believe, but I just I feel like I can't believe. It's so hard for me to believe. I've got fears, I've got doubts, and you hide those from God. They are not a part of your prayer. You don't pray to God. God, I, I don't think you're going to follow through on this. I think I'm going to fall on my face. And I don't think that you're going to come through. I'm having doubts right now. Because that, that would be wrong, right? We're not allowed to doubt our faith. If, if, if it's our faith that saves us, our faith better be strong. And we better not have any doubts, right? Jesus invites us. In fact, brings to the surface the central part of the conversation to be, let's talk about your doubts. Let's talk about what troubles you. I want to talk about that. It's an invitation to be honest with him. The next thing that I see is he shows them their hands and feet as he invites them to experience him. He invites us to experience him. This idea of taste and see that the Lord is good. See that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's in fact alive, risen, flesh and bone, sitting at the right hand of God in majesty. See, experience him. Look at him. Touch him. Feel him. Look into his eyes. Look into his face. The next thing that Jesus invites us to is to know him through his word. I want to get to that. Let's take a look at verse 41, okay? And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. He's proving to them that he is he's a man. He's not a spirit. A spirit does not have flesh and bones. A spirit does not eat broiled fish. I think it's interesting that Luke puts the details here. I think, I think he's, he's, he's 
making a claim here. He's being in your face. No, we're not talking about the idea of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. We're saying physical, resurrected Jesus. Walking, talking, eating. Like, deal with that, Luke says. I'm not talking about the idea of Jesus. I'm talking physical Jesus. And Jesus demonstrates that to, him, to them. And I think the details are, are meant to be a claim. He's saying specifically broiled fish, not fried fish, not, not uh, smoked fish, not, not baked fish, broiled fish. Because he's saying this is a real event, it really happened, I'm being specific with the details because I'm not talking about an idea, I'm, ta I'm not talking about a concept, I'm talking about a risen Jesus. This stood out to me too. In verse 41, they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling. Disbelieved for joy? How would joy cause me to not believe something? Right? Like, I, I, I'm so happy I can't believe it. I, I started thinking about that. I was like, oh yeah, like, uh, like I can't believe the Seahawks ever actually won the Super Bowl. Right? That actually happened, right? And then when it happened, maybe we were, you guys are going to hate me because I talk bad about the Seahawks. It's over for us. They're, it's a rebuilding year. Uh, I don't know if we'll even be able to watch the Seahawks next year. No, it'll be great. Tom Brady is at the peak of his pinnacle of his career. No, uh, Seahawks. We can't believe it, right? When your team wins 15th seed, you know, going all the way to the Elite Eight this year in March Madness. Like, am I, like, is this real? Am I really watching this? The, the Will Smith slap of Chris Rock. I was like, I had to rewind it because I'm like, did that seriously just happen? And it probably wasn't joy that caused that disbelief uh, in that case. Uh, I don't know, maybe a little bit. But uh, like a winning lottery ticket. Like, wait a minute, am I seeing this right? You need to look at this. Did I just get the winning numbers? I want to believe this, but it sounds too good to be true. There's no way this can be true. No way Jesus is standing here right in front of me, in front of me. There's no way. I can't believe it. Like they were they were so consumed with joy. This is so good. This I want this to be true so much there's no way it can be. So it is with our first realization of the gospel. Isn't that true? No way this is true. There's nothing I need to do. There's nothing I need to do. He only wants me to just believe in him. He died for me, but when I was still a sinner, I can't believe it. I want to believe it. Help me believe it. I can't believe it. No matter how hard I try, I just can't believe it. I mentioned that Jesus invites us to know him through his word. Look at verse 44. Verse 44 says, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. All of Scripture is about Jesus. What? He says, I was telling you about this. When I was with you, when I was walking with you, I was, I was quoting Old Testament scripture. I was telling you guys about this. What part of the Old Testament is not included here? Let's see, Law of Moses, first five books, 
prophets. That's all the, uh, you know, everyone who spoke directly from to God with the message to the people and the song. Oh, that's all of the Old Testament. All of the Old Testament, it says, is about me, Jesus says. Go back and look and find me throughout the Old Testament. Here's, here's something that happened, though. This happens for us, too. All of these things Jesus is inviting you to, but, but we hit a wall. Because I don't know if you've ever taken a look at the Bible and read it and been like, okay, what does that mean? Right? Look what happens in this moment. Verse 45. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. There was something preventing understanding. There was something that was there. that they, they, It was right in front of them. They had read all of these verses that whole time, and they, they just couldn't connect to it. They couldn't believe it. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. It's a requirement for us as we come to Jesus as we experience him and we say, this sounds too good to be true. I, I want to believe it, but it's hard to believe. I, I look in the Bible, but I don't see Jesus. And our minds are opened. This is what happens. When we place our faith in Jesus, he opens our minds. He regenerates our hearts. He gives us new eyes to see. And we go back to scripture. And I could only imagine that those guys, maybe not right then because they still had Jesus in front of them, they probably went back to the scrolls and they started looking like, okay, Jesus is in here. We got to go find him. Because before they didn't find Jesus in the law. They didn't find Jesus. Maybe, maybe some in the Psalms. They maybe understood some of that. Some of Jesus. In, but they're saying all of the Old Testament. I need to go back and look at this. We used to teach through the Jesus Storybook Bible uh, in kids. Uh, we've, we've since gone to a different curriculum, but for a couple of years we used the Jesus Storybook Bible. And what's really interesting about this, it's a children's Bible uh, that, that the, sub, the subtitle of that is, Every Story Whispers His Name. So what it does is it takes these familiar Bible stories and points out how Jesus is, is represented. It's a shadow of Jesus, a, a foreshadowing, a a, uh, a whisper of his name, how Jesus is a better Isaac, Jesus is a better David, Jesus is a better Noah, and, and how all of these stories are similar. I can only imagine that, that they would go back and look through the Old Testament looking for Jesus because Jesus invited them to do that. I know I've done that. I started uh, a couple years back. Tara Lee Cobble has the Bible recap, uh, and, and it's been helpful for me to have a little bit of a community and structure. I was not really reading my Bible all the way through, uh, each year or whatever like that uh, before, but in the last couple of years I have. I kind of avoided the Old Testament, honestly. Uh, but one of the things that has been really helpful in that process is all these times I'm finding Jesus. It's exciting because he was there all along. I read these stories a hundred times and I, I didn't realize Jesus was there. In Genesis, uh, he... he you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head as a promise of a savior. Isaac carrying the instruments of his own death up to the top of the hill as a sacrifice is a picture, an image of Jesus. And God himself provides the sacrifice. It doesn't end up being Isaac. With the story of Joseph uh, and then Israel in Egypt, the Passover, the, the blood of the lamb covers over God's people. Jesus is the blood of the lamb. 
This other one I found just a while back, uh, and I had heard this illustration, but I actually saw, like, Paul pointed it out. So Israel's in the wilderness, and, and they're grumbling against Moses. Why did you lead us here? You led us here to die. There's no water to drink in the wilderness. You know, like, they're just grumbling against Moses. And, and God tells Moses, they aren't grumbling against you. They're grumbling against me. But instead of God getting angry at them and, and, and striking them, he says to Mo Moses, here's what you need to do. Strike the rock. Strike the rock. So he takes his staff and he hits the rock, and out from the rock comes water that would provide life to God's people. Now, Paul, like, I, I've, heard, I've heard the, the, uh, the, the imagery of, of that being Jesus, but Paul specifically says, 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 5, he says, he says, Jesus is that rock, the rock in the wilderness that Moses hit and water came out, that's Jesus. So I started thinking, like, actually Jesus? Like, the rock, would, like, Jesus was a rock in that moment? And, or, or, is it, or is it a picture or a metaphor? Either way, Paul's telling us to do business with the fact that it's always been this way. God has always had in his mind to provide for his people and who would be struck for their good would be God himself. It would be God who is struck and out from God would come life. We've got more to get to and I, I, I wanna move on but Jesus invites us to know him through his word. All of the Bible is about Jesus. Every story whispers his name. When you look for him in the Old Testament, you will find so much rich examples of, of, of God's love and his plan for us, his people. The next thing we see is that Jesus invites us to be on mission with him. In verse 46, he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in, the in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the Great Commission. Luke is an abbreviated version. Matthew 28 gives the expanded, but this is Jesus as, you know, be before he leaves, here's something I need you to do. What are we going to do from... From this moment to the moment that we're with Jesus forever, let me tell you, here's your mission, okay? Your mission is to go and make disciples. I want to read it in Matthew 28 because, again, Luke is the abbreviated version. It says, proclaimed to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. That's, that's like, go tell the gospel. The gospel is the repentance for and the forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel. Go and tell the gospel. Matthew 28. Verse 18, and Jesus came to them. This is the same, same event. Matthew just records more of the, the statement. And Jesus came to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. At Outward Church, we exist to make disciples who love Jesus and live outward. Everything we do is about disciple-making because that's what Jesus told us to be about. That's our mission. You are invited on that mission. What is making disciples? Put simply, I think it was maybe Mark Dever that I had read, live a life worth replicating and invite people in to observe your life. 
love Jesus, that's why we start with that, live outward, that is, guys, I've seen Jesus alive. You have to come and see with me. You have to touch, you have to see, you have to taste, you have to experience alive Jesus. It will make the biggest difference of your, in your life. Now, he's given us some, some teachings, some, some things to live by. Let me t- teach you about what it means to follow Jesus. I fail all the time, I fall all the time, but, but Jesus forgives me and that's the gospel, that's the good news of the gospel. And so that's the mission that every single one of us are invited on. That's the great commission. But the most important part I left off, for those of you who are experienced or listening to Matthew, or Matthew 28 and the Great Commission, if you, if, you, if you looked at it, the most important part I left off, it's included in Luke in verse 49, it's included in Matthew, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus sends us on mission, but he goes with us. He goes with us forever. The very last verse in Luke, in our text, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go. It's better that I go, that you would have the helper. Having the Holy Spirit inside of us is better than having physical Jesus. Oh, how would I would long to touch his hands and to have him here, to ask him questions, that he would comfort me. But he's telling us that he's with us till the end of the age by his Holy Spirit. So practically, what does that mean? Like, what do we do with this? Who is Jesus right now? What is he doing through his Spirit? It is the spirit of Jesus who lives inside of you. What is he doing? He's walking behind you as you walk down the path. He's saying, hey, what are you talking about? What are you thinking about? Will you, will you share with me what it is that is, is worrying you? He's in the big moments, guys. He's in, he's in the storm, asleep in the boat, waiting for you to call out and ask, Jesus, we need your help. And he gets up and he calms the storm. He's with you in the big things, but he's with you in the mundane things. He sits down and has a meal with you, asks you for some broiled fish and asks you, so tell me about your doubts. Tell me what what scares you. It's an invitation to talk to him, to know him, Because he's alive. He didn't stay dead. Flesh and bone, sitting at the right hand of God. His spirit living inside of us. He's with us, guys, every single moment, every single day. And he's asking you, what are you you thinking about? What are you talking about? Will Will you come and talk with me? Did you lose sight of eternity? Did you lose sight of your mission? Come talk to me. I understand it's hard to believe. Come talk to me. We have an opportunity right now. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward with communion. We have, we have this opportunity to, like, to picture Jesus right now. He says, as often as we're together, that, that we would do this in, in remembrance of, of him. So I'm going to invite you right where you are to, to grab the two cups, the cracker and the juice. 
get up right where you are and go get that now. And then, and then take it back to your seat. In just a moment, we'll, we'll, we'll take the elements, the cracker, which represents his, his body, the blood, the, the juice represents his blood. But what's happening right now? It's an invitation to remember Jesus. He's what it's about. He's asking that you'd keep your eyes on him. What are you thinking about? What are you worrying about? What is occupying your mind? Will you, will you take your eyes off of the wind and off of the waves and keep your eyes on me, Jesus says. So do this in remembrance of me. So right where you are, we'll take the cracker, we'll remember Jesus, we'll think of him. We'll take the juice and we'll think of him. We'll remember him and we'll go to him and we'll ask for forgiveness for the times that we fear and that we doubt and that we chase all that the world has to offer. And we ask him to be our living hope. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we want to worship you. You are our living hope. You are alive. You are right now sitting at the right hand of God and you are caring for us, you are ministering to us, and you are inviting us into a relationship with you and you are sending us on mission and you are with us forever. But we don't know you like that. We want to know you like that. We want, we want to see us through your eyes. We want to know you. God, we, we start now by worshiping you. Please hear our worship. Amen.